Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode post Super Bowl week. Last week, it was post the Super Bowl, but we talked about the game. This is the first true episode of the offseason here on Falato on Football. I am the host, Nicholas Falato from Big Blue View, great giant platform that gives all Giants fans the news about the NFL and, of course, the team that you guys all love so dearly, the New York Giants, and that's where we're going to start. Now, we're going to start with a smaller story from this past week, and it involves the New Orleans Saints. They released guard Nick Eason, and they freed up $6 million in cap space. Why is that important to the New York Giants? Because the Giants have a 2022 free agent playing on the last year of his deal, who is arguably their best offensive lineman, and that is Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler right now could end up being a cap casualty for the New York Giants, which is incredibly unfortunate because he is the elder statesman of the offensive line, and he's arguably the most effective offensive lineman. Now, I think by Kevin Zeitler's standards, last season was a little bit down for him, but I still think he is playing at a high level. I think he's incredibly important to this offensive line unit. But the conundrum the Giants find themselves in There's kind of a lot of variables that go into it. The cap in 2021 is going to be around $18 to $20 million less than it was in 2020. 2020's cap was around $198 million. This cap's looking to be, it hasn't been set yet, but it's looking to be around $180, maybe $181 million. So you're looking at a significant decrease in the amount of cap space that is going to be allotted to NFL teams next year. Kevin Zeitler in the last year of his deal. The Giants release Zeitler. There's not going to be a lot of dead cap, but they'll free up $12 million. $12 million that you can basically sign your entire rookie class with something like that. $12 million that the Giants may need to add some of these offensive weapons to help get Daniel Jones to where they envisioned he could get to when they drafted him the sixth overall pick back in 2019. So I think the Giants are... Barking up the same tree that the Saints had to do. It's a veteran guard. Now, the Saints, I think, are in a little bit of a better position. They just spent a first-round pick on Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, who is a center, but he can play guard. They have a lot of young, talented offensive linemen down there. Andres Pete was a tackle they drafted out of Stanford back in, I think it was 2015. And they kicked him inside, and he's been an effective guard as well. They have Eric McCoy, who's been very, very good for them at center. So they're in a bit of a different situation. Whereas I look at the Giants' offensive line situation, and I don't think it's terrible. I think Nick Gates having the kind of success that he had, it's almost unfounded in the kind of offseason that we saw. This is an undrafted tackle out of Nebraska. Gets to play some snaps at tackle, some at guard. And then he gets moved to the center position in a truncated offseason where he barely got to be on the field with his teammates to learn Jason Garrett's playbook, to work with Mark Colombo, and then he picks the position up from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint and is the starting center against the Pittsburgh freaking Steelers. And has a good season, too. So what Nick Gates was able to do, that was excellent. Then you had Kevin Zeitler. I thought his year wasn't as good as, like I said before, what Kevin Zeitler is capable of doing. He's not over the hill. He's only 30 years old right now. And if the Giants actually want to effectively compete, having Zeitler will allow you to do that next season. He's not going to hurt you, but it's a business. We all know this. 
and you'll look at the left guard position. It's where a lot of question marks come up. Drafted Will Hernandez in the second round back in 2018. Comes in, starts the year. Then he gets COVID. Shane Lemieux fills in. Offensive line kind of gels together. That running game really starts to get going. Shane Lemieux kind of holds on to that job. Now they rotate Will Hernandez in there every now and again. But Shane Lemieux holds on to that job. And what I'll say about this is I believe Shane Lemieux is better on the counter tray plays, on the pulling type plays, the pin pull concepts when he pulls in space. I actually think he's quicker, which is funny because he doesn't have the fastest feet, especially in pass protection. But he's quicker to get his hips flipped and to pull and to locate aggressively when he's doing those kickouts or when he's lead blocking into space. Will Hernandez is a bit more lumbering. But in pass protection, Will Hernandez's feet are far better than Shane Lemieux's. Will Hernandez handles counters far better. Will Hernandez is better off the snap. He has a better anchor. Shane Lemieux really struggles off the snap. Right when that snap happens, if you hit him quickly and stun him, you're able to take advantage of him, string some moves together, and then Daniel Jones has a rusher in his face before he hits his back foot. That's something that we saw a little bit too much with Shane Lemieux. And then the tackle positions, you're hoping Matt Parrott can step up on the right side. The left side's taken care of. Then you also have Nate Solder coming back, who could also be a post-June cap casualty. It's going to be some dead cap there that you're going to eat because his contract rolled over. But you can also free up some cap space as well. But Kevin Zeitler is much more effective than Nate Solder. So what are the Giants going to do? If you release Kevin Zeitler, you're rolling with Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux, and then you have Kyle Murphy, undrafted guy out of Rhode Island. Shout out to Joe DeLeon. And Chad Slade. Another undrafted free agent back in 2015 out of Auburn. He hasn't necessarily shown us, the fans, people who cover the team, that he can step up and fill in as a starter if one of those other two go down. So it would be a total mystery behind Lemieux and Hernandez. And to be frank, it's somewhat of a mystery with Lemieux and Hernandez. We're not 100% certain that either of these guys are going to be starting guards in this system long term. I think Lemieux showed a lot of strides for a fifth-round pick in his rookie season, absolutely, but there are those pass protection components that are negative. And as for Will Hernandez, it's a little bit of a mystery. It really is. As to why he lost that job and why he did not see the field as much as he did down the stretch. Was it because of COVID? Was it their ill effects due to that illness that he suffered? Possibly. Or maybe he just doesn't gel as much with Joe Judge and the power gap system that they want to run, which seems to me at least, is a system that he would be better fit in than an an inside zone scheme like what Pat Shermer used. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Giants do with Zeitler. I I can understand why they want to part ways. I don't want to part ways with him because I do feel like he's their best option at those guard positions, at either guard position. But if they need to free up cap space to sign their rookies, which they'll figure it out. You can maneuver the cap for sure. But if they need to free up cap space to sign Allen Robinson take a kick at the can at an edge rusher another corner whatever they do Zeitler only has one year left on his deal you have other young guards in place if they're high enough on some of them we could see him go which would be unfortunate all righty we're going to dive into the rest of the NFL news but before we do that let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors all righty big news of the week I would say Happened early last week. We'll talk about the Buccaneers celebration a little bit. But the big news was J.J. Watt, the three-time Defensive Player of the Year, 
was released by the Houston Texans. J.J. Watt met with ownership, went over ownership, let them know that he wanted to be released. So the Texans honored what he wanted, and they released him. And now he's a free agent, ready to go wherever he wants. He's coming off of a 45-pressure, five-sack season, according to Pro Football Focus. They don't do half-sacks, so maybe that's why it's a little inflated. But where will J.J. Watt go now? I think that's an excellent question. A lot of people making the connection to the Giants, us Giant fans, people listening to the podcast. Now, I don't really see why he'd want to go to New York. To be honest, I can't see the connection. He wants to go to an immediate winner, and the Giants won six games last year and couldn't win the worst division we've seen in quite some time. So I don't think the Giants are going to be on the table. I would love for him to come to the Giants, to be honest. I don't think he's going to be looking for a huge contract, but he's going to have the pick to go wherever he wants. Now, I've heard the Browns. I've heard the Bills. Bills make a little sense for the Browns. I've heard Dallas stay in Texas, no state income tax. A lot of cool stuff with that. But if I'm J.J. Watt, there's three teams that I have circled. Three teams that make a lot of sense to me, for sure. First, the Pittsburgh Steelers, mainly because his brother, T.J., and his brother, Derek, both play there. Also, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a well-run organization. But right now, there are question marks. Ben Roethlisberger, how long is he going to be there? Does he really want to play? Is he even the answer there in Pittsburgh right now? They just lost center Marquise Pouncey. That offensive line is getting old. There's a lot of negative things about Pittsburgh going forward that maybe suggest that he might not go in that direction, although there's a lot of things that make sense and kind of tie him there. But then you have the Green Bay Packers. J.J. Watt, from Wisconsin, went to the University of Wisconsin. He was a Badger. To return to Green Bay, a team that can win it every season, even though Aaron Rodgers and the Packers seem to just be stuck perpetually in the NFC Championship game and can never get over the hump despite the fact that they won a Super Bowl recently. J.J. Watt can help that defense. And Mike Pettin's not coming back. They promoted from within. But J.J. Watt can go there, and he can help that defense. He can help that run defense, and he can still rush the passer with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and all the pass rushers that they have over there in Green Bay. They have a stud secondary, Adrian Amos. They have Jair Alexander, who is arguably the best corner in the league. I don't think that's being hyperbolic whatsoever. Jair Alexander is a fantastic corner. He's just a little bit undersized. Kid from Louisville a couple years ago. First-round pick. So I think J.J. going there makes a ton of sense. Would love to see it. Him and Aaron Rodgers. See if J.J. Watt can get a ring. See if he can get a championship, earn that Lombardi trophy, because he ain't getting it down there in Texas. But the third team that makes sense to me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who else would you want to hitch your wagon to if you're going to win a championship? If you want to get a taste of the victory known as a Super Bowl championship, Lombardi trophy, it'd be go play with Tom Brady. Go to the now defending Super Bowl champs. They just won their championship. I don't think Tom Brady is satisfied. Dude's insatiable. Dude's going to want to keep winning. And like I said, J.J. Watt's not looking to get buku bucks out there, man. J.J. Watt's looking to win. It's a great place. It's Florida. No state income tax. Shaq Barrett, edge rusher, probably looking to get paid. Going to leave. Creates a void opposite of Jason Pierre-Paul. And I think J.J. Watt transitioned perfectly to Todd Bowles' defense. Played in three, four fronts before. He can two-gap if he has to. That's what they're going to ask him to do. Put him next to Vita Vey with JPP standing up. 
You have J.J. Watt, a five technique. That would be incredibly effective. Put him out there on third down, have him rush the passer, pin his ears back. You don't have to put too much on his plate. He doesn't have to be an every down player, but he could still have a significant impact. Playing with Tom Brady, see if they can win. I think that makes a lot of sense, something that he will definitely consider. And I think those three teams are certainly all going to be in consideration. I don't think Buffalo's going to be ruled out either. That's another team who have an ascending quarterback who could win, could realistically win. They've taken steps forward each year, so it does make sense to go there as well. But if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh to be with his brothers. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, they know how to celebrate. Tom Brady's getting drunk off of avocado tequila. Having a great time letting loose. Guy won his seventh championship. People are actually giving him crap. It doesn't make any sense to me. Dude won his seventh Lombardi trophy. Let him have fun. Yes, he tossed a Lombardi over like eight yards of river to a teammate on another boat. He's got six others if he ends up losing them. I didn't see an issue with what was going on. You know, the Buccaneers, they were doing the boat parade. They're representing the pirate nature of that team. Good for Tom Brady, man. Good for Jason Light, who I've been critical of because he has made mistakes in the past, drafting Roberto Aguayo in the second round, trading up to do so. Dude's out of the league in two years, a kicker from Florida State. But you know what? He right the ship. You know, he rode the boat, as P.J. Fleck would say, from Minnesota. Ended up drafting one of P.J. Fleck's players, Antoine Winfield Jr., Right at the defense, right at the offense, got Tom Brady, cherry on top. They were a 7-9 team last year with the quarterback who threw 30 interceptions. They had foundational pieces in place to be great. And they brought once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, really. But they brought Tom Brady in. Something that never happens is a prime quarterback. Now, he's not in his prime. He's a little bit over the hill. But guess what? He just won a freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, he's 43 years old, but he's still playing well. One of the best quarterbacks in the league to hit the open market. And he made the right decision. Went to Tampa in the first year outside the AFC. The first year without Bill Belichick, Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl. Insane. Crazy. Then they had the boat parade. Good. Let them all get drunk and have a good time. Just don't drive. Be safe. Have fun. It was all recorded. You got Scotty Miller knocking Chris Godwin's phone into the river. It was mayhem. But you know, it was measured mayhem. And I'm sure this week, Tom Brady is probably already preparing for the next season. Dude is a maniac. Dude wants to win. He doesn't want to stop winning. And, you know, we'll see how next year goes for him, for that team. Doesn't seem like there's going to be a hangover. The Chiefs, it's a different story. Andy Reid didn't re-up his son's contract. Britt, who is now a free agent coach, he was the coach that was involved in the car accident the week of the Super Bowl where it's alleged that he may have been under the influence of alcohol. There's an investigation going on right now, so that has not been proven to the best of my knowledge. But, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other situation. The Chiefs are going to be fine. They're going to be okay. But they still need to ensure that offensive line is going to be back and healthy. Eric Fisher is going to be back and healthy. And they can keep some of these key pieces in place. But Chiefs have lost like three games in the last year. They're absolutely out of their minds. And, yes, they got beat pretty handily by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going anywhere anytime soon. And in other football news... The Eagles hired an offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. He was the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert this year. The Chargers ranked 18th in points per game, 18th in rushing yards per game, and 6th 
in passing yards per game. And Steichen was credited a lot for developing Justin Herbert and getting the most out of him. So now he's coming to Philadelphia, and he'll likely attempt to do the same thing with Jalen Hurts if Jalen Hurts is the guy, which is still a question mark. Seems that Carson Wentz is already out the door. One foot out the door, we're just waiting for the news to drop to see if he ends up going to Chicago, if he ends up going to Indianapolis, if he ends up going somewhere else. It's still not necessarily clear, but by all counts, Schefter, the Rappaport, that there is going to be a deal and it's going to be coming soon. I don't know if they're just waiting till there's like a lull in sports news and they're going to drop it. We'll have to kind of end up seeing, but Carson Wentz will be here to talk about the new team that he goes to, how that might mesh, and what the Eagles might do in the future. It looks like right now, they just spent a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts. They're going to roll with Jalen Hurts to see what he's got going forward and if he can continue to develop. It's a, The Eagles situation is just its not a desirable one right now, but we'll see how that kind of ends up going with the Cowboys, too. Washington football team, New York Giants, the whole entire division is going to be looking for a bounce back type of year because another year of just no teams being over 500 would just be even more embarrassing than what we just witnessed in 2020. And Trevor Lawrence, to round this show out a little bit, he's going to have surgery on his non-throwing shoulder here in the next coming weeks. So he actually had a pro day before Clemson's Pro Day, about two weeks before Clemson's Pro Day. Just had a Pro Day this week. Went down there. A bunch of teams ended up seeing how he threw. Threw the ball reportedly, fantastically. Didn't really matter. He had 10-inch hands, which is a big deal for whatever reason. I totally understand why it's a big deal in these cold weather type of places you want your quarterback to have bigger hands, but I do feel like sometimes evaluators can overlook that because if his hands were 9 and 7 eighth inch, it's frowned upon more than 10 inches because of one-eighth of an inch. But the difference between nine and three-fourths and nine and a half, which is a greater difference, isn't viewed as negatively as that 10-inch just because 10 is a number what people will see. It's the same thing with five foot eleven and six foot with the quarterbacks. Now, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray have helped debunk this, but then Johnny Menzel kind of throws it off a little bit. And Baker Mayfield cracked that six foot mark, but quarterbacks were 5'11 and 7 eighths, and they were viewed differently just because they didn't have that six foot. We're talking about an eighth of an inch here, so I think it can be over-evaluated at times, but that's just a little spiel that ended up going. Alrighty, guys, this was Falato on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. We're going to be here to break down every week football news around the NFL, kind of tie it into the Giants if we can. And I just hope you guys have a lovely, safe week. Take care of yourselves, and we'll be back to you next week.